Welcome to a nonfiction story cast about people in Seattle who built churches and how they did it. I'm Cindy Safranoff. I'm the author, and this is Dedication, building the Seattle branches of Mary Baker Eddy's church, a centennial story. Episode 20, Declarations of War. At their December 11, 1914 election, the members of First Church of Christ Scientist Seattle, in their collective wisdom, once again put Alan H. Armstrong on the board. The board members then nominated Mr. Armstrong for the position of chair. Prior to the vote, however, Armstrong asked his fellow board members for time to explain what he felt he must work for. He saw an urgent need for a debt-free church, dedication at the earliest possible date. He would not accept the position of chair or even board member if there was not unanimous agreement on making this the highest priority. The board quickly agreed with Armstrong, but there remained a question of whether all the members in the church were in agreement with the board on this goal. The effort to reach the summit of Mount Dedication, as proposed by Charles A. Griffith just after the opening services for the new edifice, had apparently lost its momentum because of internal contention. That fall, the board and membership were focused on a round of changes to their organizational bylaws, having to do with accounting procedures, staff support for the treasurer, systems for paying expenses, financial records audits, and reports to the members. There were amendments, and amendments to amendments, and vote tallies that showed somewhat divided opinion on the changes. Church financial records had not been kept in good order during the building project. There had been unpleasant surprises along the way. The biggest surprise might have been the final cost for the building, their stone edifice on Capitol Hill had ended up costing nearly twice the original budget. The board held special meetings to address criticism of the handling of church finances. The treasurer, clerk, and bookkeeper were now working together on how to track every liability and asset according to standard accounting practices. The debt on the building was a serious concern. Even with their large and growing membership, a mortgage of $80,000 was a huge burden. They risked losing ownership if ever unable to make mortgage payments. But it was not fear of loss that motivated Armstrong and the other board members to pay off the debt quickly. There was a spiritual impetus behind the focus. This was another opportunity to prove that faith that could move mountains. The members were called to attend a special meeting the evening of Friday, February 26, 1915, in the Sunday school room of the church. A full attendance is desired, the call letter stated. In preparation for the meeting, members were requested to read a recent article by Dr. Edmund F. Burton, in the Christian Science Sentinel, entitled, Support. 
The article was about taking a spiritual view of church and financial supply, the importance of looking to God for support through unswerving obedience and trust. What Armstrong said that evening in the Sunday school was significant enough in the history of the church that his notes were preserved in the church files for posterity. Armstrong addressed the members. It is customary for one in accepting an important post of duty to make a statement of his purpose and policy. With us as a Christian church, the case is somewhat different, for our purpose is defined to Christian science. It is wise, however, and both fitting and expedient, that I state briefly the ideal before me in accepting the present office. This ideal relates to the purpose for which this meeting is called, namely, to inaugurate the activity that must eventuate in the dedication of our church building. If the church and its chosen executives have a common purpose, a common ideal, and are agreed in a general way as to how this purpose is to be attained, harmony can prevail. If, however, such agreement does not obtain, then no harmony is possible. A sense of right is one of the strongest incentives to human action and endeavor. Hence, if differences of judgment or opinion arise as to what is the right, or the thing to do, or the right method to pursue, the mental collision is sharp and painful. This is one reason why individuals with the best of motives pain each other. Again, should those who are to act for you pursue one ideal, while you, in thought and purpose, pursue another, the results cannot be happy. The purpose of this meeting, therefore, is chiefly that your board may come to a clear agreement with you upon the accomplishment to be endeavored, and thus prevent waste of time and emotional energy. This purpose is, first, the dedication of this church building at the earliest possible date. Second, the constant education of ourselves and of the congregation to this end. I have used the expression constant education because of the tendency of the age to postpone, to neglect, or to forget what is essential to the spiritual welfare of both ourselves and mankind. If it is necessary for us as individuals to watch, it is necessary for us as a whole to watch, lest this work of dedication drag and we be found unfaithful stewards. Again, if it is wise for us individually to examine ourselves and to see our mistakes as error, it is wise for us as a body to do so, that we may accomplish the end, namely, the forsaking of the error. I mentioned the education of the congregation also because the membership of the church does not exceed one-third of the congregation. This remaining two-thirds must be educated into not their duty but their privilege. Full publicity, though without begging, must be given to the conditions of this problem. 
they as well as ourselves must learn the truth of the statement contained in science and health giving does not impoverish us in the service of our maker neither does withholding enrich us we have strength in proportion to our apprehension of the truth and our strength is not lessened by giving utterance to truth as students of this way we find it a part of our own emancipation to enlighten others to this end this structure is erected the mental elements involved show the task of completion of the first permanent structure for christian science in the city to be a difficult one to a peculiar degree its citizens are devoted to commercialism Armstrong had written on the concepts of mental elements that hindered and the need to open thought to possibility in his article Present Salvation in the Christian Science Journal, in which he expounded on St. Paul's statement, Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 by discussing how a limiting false concept among physical scientists had previously hindered the development of new wireless technology. He wrote, Wireless telegraphy was just as much a possibility a century ago as it is today, but it was not then a mental possibility. No law of mechanic, of mathematics, or of electrical science has changed in the slightest. The human apprehension of these has, however, changed very greatly hence the different results. In this same way, Armstrong suggested the Christian scientists of First Church needed to escape from the human limitations by honestly examining their own thinking, confessing their sins, and forsaking it, both individually and as a collective body, including pride in certain traditions of Christian science. He continued, this first church is mentally pioneering the way that others may follow. The multitudes must be allowed to hear the truth and to learn how far its power exceeds the power and the accomplishments of blind belief and fear in every department of consciousness. Three other structures are needed now, and if we will complete our task, these structures will go forward for mortal resistance will be weakened by our victory. We are working for Christian science first, for this church in particular, only because it stands first in the order of undertakings. The completion will be more difficult than that of any succeeding structure, because it is the first. Because of these considerations, we are under the necessity of taking counsel with each other, we must study the letter on this point and pray for the Spirit that its saving power may be known. We cannot purchase high heaven, but on the other hand, we cannot receive from heaven while the human self and human desire hinders us from maintaining the divine ideal. The more open hostility to Christian science following the completion of their edifice might have given rise to some concern for their future. In his speech, Armstrong expressed some wariness of the activities of other Christian churches working against them, 
special concern about high officials recently taking up residence in Seattle. Armstrong shifted to an analogy of warfare. Fighting had broken out that summer in Europe with a succession of declarations of war, invasions, and battles. The United States was not involved, and most Americans preferred it that way. But the newspapers were filled with news of war, concerned about the spread of the fighting, a possible shift of power in Europe, and the potential impact of war, even in Seattle, was on everyone's mind in the fall of 1914. In making his case for early dedication, Armstrong argued that just as England had needed to strengthen itself against a rising German empire or suffer as German vassals, so the members of First Church needed to muster themselves to withstand the opposition and rise to the challenge. Thus, you see, we must enter the struggle which raises every department of human consciousness above its present condition of bondage to sensible belief or suffer the more appalling cost of defeat in the full toll of fear, sickness, and death. The weapons of this warfare are not carnal, but we, nevertheless, must be earnest, persistent, and skillful in their use. As to paying off their mortgage, if we had only ourselves as an organization to think of, this might be done at our leisure, our convenience. At this point, the human element and the demand clash. After hearing Armstrong's speech, the membership moved. Resolved that the members of this church do hereby express our hearty approval of the purpose and method expressed by our President's address, and that by our vote we give expression of our intention to cooperate with our Board of Directors to the end that this church edifice may be dedicated at an early date and that truth may have its perfect expression in our midst. Now, with a renewed sense of resolve and a spirit of unity, the board could move forward toward the goal of dedication. The battle is on, Armstrong declared. Not a battle of hate against hate, but a battle of love against hate. Thanks for listening to Dedication by me, Cindy Safranoff. All events and characters in this story are as true and accurate as the available sources. All opinions are mine. To support and learn more about this groundbreaking research project and read my writing, visit cindysafranoff.com.